I hope this is a commonly held belief, but but one of the things that, that I don't agree with is this idea that you can select a single platform or vendor that can serve all of your marketing technology needs. I think that's quite outdated. I think you need a diverse marketing stack and it needs to be made up of sort of a variety of tools. And you need to decide when a standalone tool that's a market leader is worth having versus maybe a, a module on an existing tool that isn't as great. You're listening to CX Confessions, brought to you by Koros. I'm Spike Jones, General Manager of Koros Strategic Services. And I'm Stacy Satterwhite, Chief Customer Officer at Koros. In each episode, we'll share the customer experience stories and insights you need straight from the sharpest minds in CX so you can better connect with your customers and make them customers for life. Let's start the show. Hello, welcome to this episode of CX Confessions. I'm Stacy Satterwhite, of course, joined by the one and only Spike Jones. Spike, how are you doing today? Oh, well, you know, it's summer and you and I both live in Texas. You know what that means? It means you're trying to find a way to escape what this crazy heat actually is. It's, 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 I just, I mean, I know, sorry, people that, that don't live in Texas, but actually it's, it's been hot other places too. But anyway, uh, no, there's lots going on, some fun stuff at work, but uh, you know, besides the heat, really, there's nothing I can think of. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to California this, uh, like in two days, just so I can escape. So I'm sorry, I have to leave you behind. Oh man, I am so excited about our guest today, this guy. The experience that he's bringing to bear to talk to us today, it's really, really impressive. And I'm, I'm going to power through this because he's done so, so much. You ready for this? Ready. Okay, cool. Uh, he is a marketing and digital executive experienced in leading all aspects of a digital function. I'm talking about broader customer experience transformation, marketing ideation, enablement, execution. So, And we're just getting warmed up. So just hold on. His experience covers both business and technical roles, and and he's been in so many different industries too. And I find those are the most fun and interesting people to talk to because they do, not unlike yourself, meld all these different experiences together to bring like some really cool thinking uh, and abstract thinking to their roles. And and he definitely does. One of the things I think is gonna be super interesting to hear from from him is he has both B2C and B2B experience, which I think, wow, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm, for sure. In financial services, media, retail. I mean, he's lived in the USA, uh, the UK, Greece, Ireland. Again, just, just kind of a renaissance man for sure. But now he leads the integrated marketing function for the London Stock Exchange Group. About 150 folks working across 30 countries covering global campaigns, regional marketing. The list goes on and on. Before this, he was at Thomson Reuters, which you're familiar with. Very. Telefonica 02. And again, that list just goes on and on. And then he's won like a, 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 a showcase full of awards. So without further ado, please help me welcome our guest today, Mr. Richard George. Welcome, Richard. Thank you so much. Really, really glad to be here. Fantastic. So let's jump right into it. You are what we call here in the States a, a jack of all trades and a master of a lot of them. What I love about you and what you're, what you're bringing to this talk today is your background, because it's so diverse. I mean, you've been, you started out in self-service, you've been on the business side and marketing, you've been across industries, B2B, B2C, been across regions around the world too. 
Can you walk us through your digital journey, starting with your first experience with in-store digital? Would be great. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I started my digital journey with the UK retailer called Marks and Spencer. So you uh, you may have tried one of their their sandwiches when you've uh, travelled to the UK, um, but I, I joined an amazing team there uh, about twelve years ago now in this role as a digital business development manager. And there were really two parts to that role. The first part was taking a thought, concept, an idea, and building a commercial proposition around it, a business case, and getting buy-in. And the second part was really about being a product owner and, and seeing that through to delivery. Um, and during that time, I specialized in in-store digital. And as I mentioned 12 years ago, technology was very different <laughs> from what it is today. A little bit. I can only imagine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> if only it was today. Um, I, uh, I learned three lessons from that role. The first one was about using creativity to enable agility. So our brand new touchscreen order point uh, kiosk uh, interface that we created was built using screen scraping technology from our existing website. And that was the quickest route to market. So it was really about identifying how we could create something, a minimal viable product, get it to market in the quickest time possible and using creative solutions to do that. The second piece is about the importance of aesthetics because I really think that they're fundamental to, to experience. Well, I do now. Back then, maybe slightly different <laughs> um, because the initial uh, touchscreen order point that we created looked more like a Dalek from, uh, from Doctor Who. So um, we, we, we evolved that. And the second version was, was this beautiful, almost iPad on a stick, 40-inch uh, iPad on a stick. Very nice. And uh, it was really interesting to see the change in customer interaction following that, that upgrade. Um, but I, you know, what, the, the other piece that I think was also really important was around finding the right use case. And really the game changer for us was when we took that application and we put it onto iPads and having the iPad with the sales advisor and the customer together was really a game changer for how we could use technology to interact with, with customers in the store. You want to go into the store to see the product. You want to go into the store to interact with people. Um, so the iPad was a, a further enabler to that. The final, uh, the final lesson that I, I would also share was around the, the importance of acronyms and, and naming. Uh, so we created the uh, touchscreen order point, as I mentioned before. The abbreviation for that was TSOP, which I think got the uh, worst, worst abbreviation award uh, award. <laughs> Acronyms matter is, I think, maybe the lesson there. Yes. If, if you ever want to name a small bird, maybe a, a TSOP is the right thing for it, but, <laughs> but not, not an order point. <laughs> Something a little more exotic, but not uh, probably in a uh, consumer space. Noted. <laughs> noted. <laughs> yeah, noted. Richard, wow. Uh, again, I can't imagine or I can't imagine how leading edge your technology was 12 years ago trying to create that in-store experience and especially how quickly it sounds like you evolved with the technology you had as well as the technology you're maybe wanting to go to. So very, very cool beginning to a journey. I think at some point later in your journey, you joined a, a company very familiar here to us here at Coros, Thomson Reuters. We have lots of TR alumni here at Coros, so very familiar to us, but a very different role, very different type role than you had maybe at Marks and Spencer's and some other places. Tell us a little bit about how your digital practices or, uh, or perspective differed from where you started in store retail to where you uh, landed at that point at TR. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. So after m and I actually uh, changed sectors to telco. So I worked for a little bit 
for O2 Telefonica. And then I went to uh, Dublin and worked for an Irish telecoms company there called Aircom uh, before then joining Thomson Reuters. And the, the real difference between Thomson Reuters and the previous companies I've worked for was that firstly, it was predominantly B2B. Secondly, was the geographical reach to selling products into 190 different countries. And then thirdly, the industries that it covered from financial services to media to legal uh, to tax and accounting. However, one of the sort of consistent threads was the opportunity to use that digital background and broader CX experience and, uh, and apply it. I really think it was incredibly transferable. You know, the need to build using customer insight, creating experiences that are aesthetically pleasing and work, focus on how to drive performance. These things I do really think uh, transcend different industries. Um, within TR, we created a new transformation program called MyTR. So we learned from from the TSOP naming and named it uh, a lot more clearer and, and succinct. Clean, very clean. I like it. I like it. And very self-explanatory. My TR. Got it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, and this was really a consolidation of 67 different support portals wow. across the organization mm-hmm. and creating a brand new authenticated space. It was built on the same platform as our website. So we had um, consistency from that perspective. And it was enabled through a brand new personalization layer. And the three lessons that I, I took from TR were firstly, the importance of articulating a vision in more than just slide decks. So if you think about the opportunity to use concepts, mock-ups, videos, MVPs, what's so great about those kind of mediums is that you can get true buy-in as it allows stakeholders to almost see into the future and see where you'll be in a number of years' time. So that sort of stayed with me as I've moved forward. The second one was about the success of programs and how that directly correlates to culture and that building the right culture. And with my TR, we really wanted the people within it to feel like they were part of something bigger. We also wanted them to feel like we were acting differently. You know, we were more agile, we were more inclusive. And that was a real driver in the success of my TR. And again, something that, that has, has stayed with me. And finally, the importance of starting focused, but dreaming big. And what we had the opportunity with with MyTR to do was that once or when uh, TR divested its financial and risk business and and created a brand new company called Refinitiv, we were then able to to scale my my Refinitiv, which it was rebranded to, and bring it together with our new websites, with our developer community, with our training sites to create a broader digital ecosystem that was a truly integrated uh, digital customer experience. And that would be- that ultimately better served our customers and our prospects. Um, so really sort of, a, I, I think, a, a program that I'll never forget because it was something that we, we committed to. And probably, actually, I'll just share one stat with you. When we started, our, our CEM scores were at 45% satisfaction by the end of it they were 87 percent. so it was something we really saw through to uh, to fruition so really really proud of that and the team and the culture we created sounds like you should be yeah wow and so i mean i love that start focus but dream big Uh, i wrote that one down that's great and and, you know you're already starting you you shared uh you talked about data and shared the importance of data even just along the journey right now uh, today, talking about your path. And so we'd love to dig in a little bit more on that. And like, what is that data that really matters the most to you 
uh, when it comes to you know your customers and how do you leverage that data to really keep innovating? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think the um, the key word, and I think this has always been the key word, is relevance. The greater relevance that you can drive in your experiences, the greater impact you ultimately have on the value that you deliver to the customer um, or to the business. And data is really that key component in unlocking relevance. But you have to select relevant data to do that. And that's obviously relevant from a compliance perspective, um, but also making sure that it's clean, organized, and ultimately that it's in a form that you can then uh, activate from. And I think a central enabler to driving uh, that whole approach is a customer data platform and some kind of journey orchestrator as a complementary part of it. And I think where the tech is today, I know the tech's been around for a number of years, but where it is today, I really do see it as a game changer to think about how we build better customer experiences, how we gain better insights, and ultimately how we overcome some of the challenges which uh, have already happened and are going to happen around third-party cookies as well. So sort of quite an interesting uh, point in time. So you had said something earlier that I'm going to tie a couple things together here, I think. One of the things you said earlier about your experiences at TR was really about not using slides that's incredible, but painting a picture of the vision so that everybody is collectively working towards something. And then obviously the trust that comes from that and your ability as a leader to to, to move the organization in the direction you like. Tie that together for me with how you convince your organization that a customer data platform is the way to prepare for a new future or are those two things totally disconnected? Yeah, um, they're definitely connected. The I think the key is coming back to the vision. So what is the vision that we're trying to, to create or enable? And as, as technology's got more powerful and usable, it's really allowed the business to change how they market to customers and prospects. And critically, that shift is towards more intelligent, more automated activity that really wraps around that customer journey, as opposed to a series of batch campaigns, which of course could be complex and intelligent in their own right. But it's bigger than that. It's really about understanding the customer, engaging them at the relevant point in time. And the CDP is really the key enabler to that shift. You have to have the real-time profile, which you can build and execute segments from, and then drive that real-time personalization element, of course. And then I presume that's how you humanize the experience, because without the actual data element and the engagement part, then you can't humanize it. Exactly. Yeah, that that allows another lens of relevance and um, sort of relevance and, and humanization. And then adding on top of that tools that then connect that data to the relevant teams. But also, if I sort of give another example, if you think about the power of these kind of email campaigns and different kind of advertising in the context of something like a customer success program powered by a CDP. So how do you take the insights on that customer and that profile on the customer? inform what you're doing both from a human and digital element and make sure that those two things are tied up and tied together. Love it. That's a really cool uh, engagement strategy, Richard. Appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome. So Richard, you have seen a lot and you have been in a lot of different industries. And so I love this question. It's a great question, but for you, I can't wait to hear your response. No pressure, no pressure whatsoever. Um, What is a commonly held belief in your industry that you just don't agree with? Yeah, so I hope this is a commonly held belief, but but one of the things that, that I don't agree with is this idea that you can select a single platform or vendor 
that can serve all of your marketing technology needs. I think that's quite outdated. I think you need a diverse marketing stack and it needs to be made up of sort of a variety of tools. And you need to decide when a standalone tool that's a market leader is worth having versus maybe a, a module on an existing tool that isn't as great. You almost need to go sort of area by area and make those choices. But the key is really about the integrations and making sure that you pull that that stack together and those variety of platforms together that you organize your data in the right way. The workflow works for the end user uh, in terms of the marketer, but it also then comes together ultimately not as a series of siloed customer experiences, but that integrated experience for the for the consumer. Love that answer. Near and dear to our heart here, of course, Richard, choosing the right technology. Uh, we love that answer. Appreciate that. Awesome. The name of the podcast is CX Confessions. So another favorite question of mine, and that is, okay, it's confession time. What's the hardest lesson you've learned on this digital journey you've been on with your customers? Yeah, so I think I think that's quite quite an easy one for me to answer, um, especially in my youth. Uh, maybe I was a little bit more more na- naive about the, um, ignoring the impact that the human element has on digital customer experiences. So you know, if I go back to that, those TSOPs, those touchscreen order points, the initial design of ignoring the opportunity to leverage the advisors, the sales advisors in store to support that proposition was was a miss. If I then think about self-service more broadly, I think people are guilty of often thinking about digital service in isolation rather than the opportunity to align it uh, to a some more holistic strategy with digital assisted channels and, and call centers. And then I think actually the biggest culprits in this space today are B2B companies. You know, they build their websites, the lead gen websites are almost completely separate from any kind of human interaction call this number or complete this form and we'll call you back in 48 hours. You know, that's almost like naughty's thinking. Um, it should be, you know, we really do need to evolve that and we need to think about how does e-commerce and how does the human element play into the evolution of B2B sales online. Really, really interesting when you think about the opportunity in that space. Yeah, I think our, our, our uh, again, near and dear to course, uh, Course's heart here from the human element of a digital experience. And one of the things I like a lot about what you've said is, from the entire journey, there shouldn't be a break point at when you become a customer from before you were a customer. It's the entire journey that needs to have that human element. Speaking of the human elements, there is something we love to do with all of our illustrious guests to get a glimpse into you as a person, Richard. So if you don't mind, welcome to Quick Fire Confessions. These are five questions to let us get a glimpse into the real you. Question number one. What was your first concert, my friend? <laughs> so I actually took my sister to a Taylor Swift concert and uh, Justin Bieber was the, the warm up act. So I should probably have a trendier answer. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, I never went to a Taylor Swift or, or Justin, Timber, uh, Justin Bieber conference again. I, I mean, if you got to choose one, you're, you're going with the big dog. So uh, that's, uh, that's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And I'm sure you said you took your, your niece. My sister. Your yeah, sister, sister. So best brother ever. Best brother ever is what I hear. <laughs> and, and clearly your, uh, your choices there are, are very, very commercially uh, adopted by others. So yeah, you're not alone there. That's a clear, clearly. 
<laughs> okay, next question. What profession other than your own would you attempt or would you like to be good at if you could? So at one point in my life, almost another life, I almost became a fast jet pilot. Whoa. So oh, I top gun. Had my, <laughs> if I have my time again, maybe, maybe I'll be maverick. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a nice one. Yeah, absolutely. And very timely, very timely. Um, I would love to hear from your perspective, especially because of your background and your appreciation for all things aesthetics and seamlessness. What is your favorite app on your phone right now? You know, I, I'm sort of a little bit addicted to LinkedIn. Mm. I, I sort of uh. see it as a, a, not from a job search perspective. <laughs> but Luckily, it's way more than that. We all yes, know. Yes, it's way more yes. than that, Richard. <laughs> well, yeah. Scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through content, I almost feel like I waste my life if I do it on Facebook. But but LinkedIn seems a bit more of an acceptable guilty pleasure to be doing that on. So so LinkedIn's the app of choice. It's like I actually totally agree with him. Like if I it, it, there's some uh, there's some there's some um, productivity factors to be gained so, from uh, from some of that scrolling. At least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I, I mean I agree. I, I, it's, I mean, we could just have a separate podcast on how LinkedIn has changed over the pandemic and how yeah. it's just, it's really interesting to see what people post. I use it mostly from a uh, information, like people are posting great articles or, you know, work hacks or any yeah. of that great stuff too. Yeah, of course. Okay. All right. Next. Ooh, this will be a fun one. We already know quite a bit about your, uh, at least your first job from a professional standpoint. I'm going to go into getting into your personal preferences from an indulgence standpoint. What is your biggest indulgence? Cake. <laughs> <laughs> Any particular kind of cake? Every kind. I like the um. I like the old uh, you know, Christmas cake and mince pies. I actually saw an article the other day. I think the top fifty worst foods voted internationally. I think both of those were were on it, along with Battenberg. If you've ever had had Battenberg, which is a British cake, but cake is my uh, is my weakness. I've never had. Battenberg. Okay. I'm going to have to put it on the life's bucket list. Okay. (laughs) Appreciate the introduction to it, Richard. Thank you. And then lastly, um, what, Richard, would you say is your life motto? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Nice. Oh, good one. I always, uh, always think about that. Yeah. It applies to a lot of different situations for sure. Very good one, Richard. Thank you. And speaking of thank you, I'm wrapping it up. Richard, this has been a delight. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us. It has been a great conversation. I know I've personally gotten a lot out of it too, and I know our listeners did too. So Mr. Richard George, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Richard. Great having you. (laughs) Thank you. Wow, what an incredible conversation today with Richard. Mm -hmm. So much to take away from there, but there's a couple few things that I got that I really need to think about and ponder. First on the Marks and Spencer use case project that the team did all the way from creativity to acronyms matter, <laughs> right? That was sure. one of my favorite moments, acronyms matter. For sure. And, and then he moved on to making sure you establish a strong vision with no slides. That no resonated slides. with me, right? I got to try that, yeah. Yeah, I'm not good at that. And then how important culture is and trust in the team 
to make sure then that you're actually staying focused on the on the big picture. So much there to take away from what Richard shared with us today. What stood out for you, Spike? I mean, those, those are great ones, and I do definitely need to try the no slideware, even though I, that's such a crutch for me. Oh, but usually just pictures. I don't like to put words on slides. But for me, it was really, I mean, it's a basic thing, but for someone like him to keep it front and center um, of that human element whenever he's designing, right? And I think we can get so caught up in the technology and the coolness of the technology that we forget sometimes how humans can and might interact with the piece of tech that we put out there too when it comes to customer experience. But that, that was a really, really big one to me. And then the other one was don't lose focus, but think big. That was it, right? Yeah, that was good. Stay focused on delivering big. That's right. Stay focused on delivering big. I thought that was great too. And that's just a great mindset for anyone in any industry that yes, we have this end goal that we need to get to, but you know, we can all take different ways to get there. And often big ways are the ones that work the best. He certainly seemed like the right guy to establish something big. And, and how many groups at TR did he bring into one centralized thing? Like, wow, speaking of thinking big, right person to think big, put it together, cast the vision build a team that is uh, high trusting to deliver and get it done. Like that's not easy stuff. Not at all. And, and again, I, like we, we said in the, in, in the intro, I was just so fascinated about his background being so diverse. I mean, starting out, you know, yeah. early in his career, putting I basically iPads on a stick in yeah. retail stores. <laughs> like that, yeah. That's some experience that he's going to bring with him. Exactly. And I think, what was that, like 11 or 12 years ago? Man, wow. What a migration and transformation of this industry and space that he's seen. So, wow. What a what a, what a cool background and a cool set of experience. And I loved the one thing I've actually uh, thinking about incorporating into my world already is, is the juice worth the squeeze? The juice worth the squeeze. I, yeah, I'm going to find myself asking that, asking myself that on a regular basis for sure. I think so too. Very, you know, both life and professionally appropriate to be perfectly candid with you. Amen. Preach it. <laughs> Preach it. Very cool. Well, Spike is always so much fun doing this with you. I can't wait for our next episode. Grateful for your time. Have a lovely trip to San Diego. Until next time, we're signing off for CX Confessions. Now more than ever, your customers expect to be understood on a personal level. Their likes, their dislikes, their history with your brand, and their communication preferences. But so many companies struggle to connect the dots of interaction across their own teams and channels, which can lead to customer experience challenges and disasters. That's where Koros can help. The award-winning customer engagement platform was built to turn those siloed interactions with your customers into enterprise value. Koros works with more than 2,000 of the world's leading brands, powering more than 500 million digital interactions every single day. Learn more at Koros.com. Thanks for listening to CX Confessions, brought to you by Koros. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and give us a rating. See you next time.